in it to Turn with me in it, if you would, to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number four. Ecclesiastes, chapter number four. Ecclesiastes, chapter number four is where we'll be here tonight. We'll begin reading in verse number nine. Ecclesiastes, chapter number four. Begin reading in verse number nine. Give you just another minute or so to get there. Ecclesiastes, chapter number four. Begin reading in verse Number nine, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number four, verse number nine, the Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Verse 11, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Everyone likes to feel needed. Everyone likes to feel like they're a part of something. Like they're an important part of the team. I remember when I was in high school, uh, my senior year, I transferred into a Christian school from public school. And I remember after I announced that I was transferring, I was just telling some people, I was telling my coaches on the basketball team, and I remember after I announced that I was transferring, the, the coaches, they, they said, hey, hey, Parker, can we buy you lunch? I said, sure, yeah, not a problem, not a problem. And so I, I was sitting in the coach's classroom, and they bought me my, my favorite fast food place, which is a place called In-N-Out out in California. I absolutely love In-N-Out. I've been craving it forever. And uh, they sat me down, and they said, Parker, Parker, we really want you to stay, all right? We really want you to stay here, and you're an important part of this team, and, and, and if you do this and you do that, and we'll, we'll, you want to go to this Christian school, we'll help you start a Christian club, and we'll help you do all these things. And I remember sitting there thinking one thing to myself. I said, you know, I, I had really struggled with this particular team of not feeling like I was an important part of the team. I felt like I was kind of a, a, an afterthought. I remember as they sat there and they told me all these things, I thought to myself, you know, so I thought to myself, man, it's, you're too late. Man, all this sounds good. All this sounds great. I'm an important part of the team. We'll help you start a Christian club, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought to myself, where was all of this three months ago? Where was all of this when when I I needed to feel important? Maybe this would have influenced my decision, but but now my mind is made up. The reality is we all like to feel needed. We all want to feel important. In tonight's message, what I want to talk to you about is this simple concept. We, as a church, need you. We need you. Everyone likes to feel needed. And there's three needs that I see that we as as humans, that the Bible talks about, that we as humans need, that the church is designed to fulfill. I want us to look at number one, the need for fellowship. The need for fellowship. Have you ever stopped to consider that you don't come to church for just you? Have you ever stopped to consider that, that while church, yes, is meant for us to come, for us to grow spiritually, that you don't come to church for just you? Now, it's easy for some of us to sit back and say, well, obviously, pastor, you know, well, I, I'm a part of a ministry team. I, I'm, if I'm not there, it affects other people. And while that's true, that's not exactly what I'm trying to get across here. You know, I don't know about you, but there are certain people that when I walk through these doors and I see certain people in these doors, it encourages me. When I see certain, I'm not even talking about having a conversation with them. 
But when I see certain people here in church, it encourages me. Or perhaps I should put it like this. Have you ever noticed that when you go to church and a certain person isn't there, it's just not the same? It's just not the same. The reality is that we as humans, we have a need for fellowship. And one of the reasons that we come to church is not just for us to grow, but to encourage others. It's one of the biggest ways in which, you know, again, the Bible talks about in Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 17, the Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. A large part of church is not just growing spiritually, but it's being around other Christians. The growing that we do doesn't just have to do with the preaching. It has to do with being around others and being encouraged and, and being built up by being around other Christians. So let me say this. Did you know that one of the absolute worst things that you can do as a Christian is isolate yourself? One of the worst things that you can do as a Christian is isolate yourself. But why? You see, because you, you might have heard this, you may have said, Pastor Parker, you know what? I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. I don't like being around people. My, my social battery tends to run out very quickly. And so, I, Pastor Parker, I don't need fellowship. I don't need human interaction. And I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Now, while the truth may very well be that you don't want human interaction, and it's okay to be introverted, the idea still stands that, that God has wired us with a need for fellowship, a need to be around others. And there's a very distinct difference between not wanting to be around others and needing to be around others. There's a very distinct difference. For example, let's reread verses 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10. For two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Here's the bottom line. We all need a support system. We need it. We need people in our lives that are going to be there for us in the tough times. That are going to help us when, when things get rough. That are going to comfort us in our losses and that ultimately are going to help lift us up. When we're discouraged, we all need that. And the reason that, the, that it's so important that we not isolate ourselves as Christians is because the devil would love nothing more than to take you one on one. He would love nothing more for than you to be totally by yourself, completely dependent upon yourself for your, spirit, for your spiritual walk, and to get a chance to take you on one v because you see, here's what happens. See, at first things might be good. Things might be okay. You know, you're there and you're by yourself. And you know, this is fine. This is okay. But then a storm begins to come. The waves start to get a little high. The wind begins to blow. The thunder crashes. The light, you see the lightning striking. And now you're in the middle of this storm and you've got a little bit of what I would call a blurred perspective. You feel as if you're drowning. You feel as if you're overwhelmed and you're not going to get out of this storm. And all you can see is, like I said, the crashing waves and the rolling thunder. All you can see is the storm brewing around you. And the devil would love to take that storm and manipulate it. 
He would love nothing more than to take that storm and try to use it to push you to make some sort of major drastic decision because of your blurred perspective. He's trying to convince you that you're drowning. He's trying to convince you that you just need to grab onto something to keep you afloat. And here's what will happen. Let's give an example of this. Let's say that you're, you're having long days at work and, and your family, you're having maybe some family troubles and the finances aren't great and you're just feeling absolutely overwhelmed. You're stressed, you're tired, and, and man, everything just seems to be falling apart. Like I said, all you can see is the waves crashing around you. This is where the devil would love to come and whisper in your ear a little something like this. Man, you're stressed, you're tired, you really need to, you need, you need some time to rest and recharge and relax. And you're right, you probably do. But then it whispers something in your ear right along these lines. You know what? You should take Sunday to just sit back and rest and relax. Yeah, just take Sunday, just kind of recharge your batteries a little bit. And from your perspective, again, only being able to see the thunder and the lightning, from your perspective, it sounds logical, it sounds reasonable. And you might even convince yourself that, you know what, I'll just do it just this once. Just this once. And you might convince yourself that, you know what, all you're thinking about is, man, these waves are crashing, I feel like I'm drowning, I just need some sort of relief, I need some sort of, uh, of refreshment, I need some sort of solution. That's all you're worried about. And it's perfectly normal to have happen. We all go through difficult times where our, our perspective becomes blurred and becomes skewed. But this is where that support system is so important. Because while the devil would love to take that, that difficult situation and twist it and turn it and use it to, to ruin you spiritually, this is where your support system comes in. This is where you go to that Christian brother or sister and you speak with them and you say, hey man, I'm, I'm really struggling. Work's got me down and... And I'm having this trouble with my family, and I'm thinking this. This is where that Christian brother who's outside the situation, who can see past the waves for you, can step back and say, hold on, man, whoa, 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 hold on. Sounds like you need, to, you need to cut back in some areas. But let me tell you this, man. Cutting back on church, that's not the answer. Getting away from God, that's not the answer. Cutting back on your fellowship with other Christians, that's not the answer. Listen, man, you, you do need to get some rest. You do need to recharge. But cutting out church, that's, that's not the answer. And suddenly you hear this, this long-term fix. You see this very rational, very reasonable argument that your friend is making. And you go, you know what? You begin to see past the storm yourself. And you go, you know what? He's right. You know what? My, my perspective was a little bit blurred. It was a little bit skewed because I was, again, I was in kind of this state of panic and I was overwhelmed and we always say all the time that it is never a time to make a major decision when you are overwhelmed emotionally. When you're on a mountaintop or when you're in the valley, those are never times to make some sort of drastic decision. And this is a big reason why we need, again, that Christian fellowship to help us kind of stay level. To kind of help us keep a level head that when the waves do get high, we have somebody sitting there saying, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. You're probably stressed. I know you're tired. I know that everything feels like it's falling apart. How about we take a minute and pray about this? Hey, you know what? You, you and me. Let's let's go out to lunch. Let's let's just relax, okay? 
Let's talk through this. How can we help you get through this? We have a need for Christian fellowship. The Bible describes, the Bible often is, describes the church as being a family type of atmosphere. We talk about it all the time. We're all a part of the same family, the family of God. You know, when God talks about family, he doesn't talk about what the modern day family can sometimes be, where you've got one teenager up in this room and one teenager up in this room and mom and dad downstairs watching TV and the other kids down in the basement and he's doing Lord, Lord knows what and all this kind of stuff. But when God talks about a family, he's talking about a close, intimate, tight group. And listen, I'm not saying that every person in the church you're going to click with and you're going to be best friends with. But there is no doubt that the Bible tells us that there is a need for fellowship within us. We need to be around other Christians. We need to be around people that are going to sharpen us and that are going to grow us and that are going to encourage us. And on that note, let me point out number two, the need for encouragement. The need for encouragement. Not only do we as a church have a need for fellowship, we have a need for encouragement as well. Now, there's a little bit of a misconception about encouragement. Sometimes when we think of somebody, we say they're an encourager. We think of like this super bright and perky person who's like always sunshine and rainbows. Like when you think of this person who's like never sad ever, and Michaela's smiling at me right now because she knows she's that kind of person. And sometimes we think that if I'm going to be an encourager, that's the kind of person that I have to be. I have to, like, shoot glitter out of my eyes, and I have to, like, you know, I, I don't know. But the reality is encouragement goes so far beyond just being perky and happy and joyful. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is just walk up to a person and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Or, I, I know this is one of the biggest things that encourages me. I've gotten a couple of these kind of texts where somebody's texted me and said, Hey, Parker, I just wanted you to know I prayed for you this morning. Oh, wow, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. And again, it's not necessarily something that has to be this big, elaborate, grand gesture. But we'll never understand how far the small things will go. I remember having a teacher in high school who was encouraging us with this. He said, guys, I really encourage you. Ask, go to the people in your church and ask them, you know, how can you pray for them? He described how one day he was in his church. It was a very large church. It was a random man. He walked up to him and he said, hey, man. He, I remember he knew his name. He said, hey, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing good. He said, hey, can I pray for you? What, what can I pray for you about? Just, just, again, random church member. He said, guys, that man looked back at me. He said, yeah. He said, you know, could you, could you pray for me? Uh, my, my wife just left me for a woman. My point is, we can encourage people in such small ways. Just, just my teacher, just showing that man that, you know what, I care about you. You know what, I will pray for you. He was going through an incredibly hard time. And something even as small as that can help lift somebody up. So then here's the question. Are you encouraging others the way you ought to? Look at verse, look at verse number 11. The Bible says, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone. This is going to sound weird. I'm just going to warn you right off the bat. Is your presence warming for others? Now, this is not Pastor Parker giving you permission to walk up to random church members and hug them. This is not Pastor Parker preaching on greet one another with a holy kiss. All right. 
But what I'm saying is, is, are you an encourager? Are you somebody who is pleasant to be around? Are you somebody that when you enter the room, people are happy that you're there and that you're not somebody who, who goes up and, hey, how are you? Terrible. Awful. I'll tell you what, I, I've told you all how I've, I've been acting as an assistant coach for the Scottville basketball team. And I'll tell you, this, this really struck me. I was, I was walking into practice. The guys had practice. I uh, had been pract- having practice in the mornings for uh, winter break. I remember one of the guys, I've heard his story, coaches told me about him. He comes from probably one of the roughest backgrounds of anybody on the team. And uh, I looked at him, I said, hey man, how you doing? He said, hey, I'm good, how are you? And I said, hey, did you have a good Christmas? He said, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I said, hey, well, did you get anything good for Christmas? He looked at me and he said, you know, I couldn't have asked for much more. And again, I know this guy's situation. He's not coming from some fancy rich family where he gets everything he wants. And then he said this. He said, you know, you just always got to be thankful. Again, this kid who I, I, I've heard is, you know, his dad is off doing Lord knows what, is, is have, ruining his family name around town. Mom is into Lord knows what. And yet here he was looking at me and saying, you know what, you just always got to be thankful. He's one of those guys that, that man, I, I always enjoy being around him because he's always so, again, encouraging, even in spite of his situation. Are you the kind of person that just encourages others? Well, Pastor Parker, I'm not good with words. I, I'm not, I don't do good with conversations. I don't do good with all that, that kind of stuff. Okay, go to Walmart. Buy him a card. Buy him a card. They're, they're what? Most are dollars, two dollars. Buy him a card. Bake him a bake him a loaf of bread. Do some. You, you don't have to necessarily sit there and write them some elaborate, uh, uh, elaborate you know poem about why they're the greatest person you've ever met. But people are touched when we simply just go out of our way to say, you know what? I was encouraged by something you did. Or here, let me encourage you with this. And you know what? There's never a wrong time to encourage someone. There's never a wrong time to encourage someone. You know, maybe somebody gets up and sings a special, and, and you just simply walk up to them afterwards and say, hey, you know what? Spoke to my heart. Thank you for saying that. You know, and, and well, preacher, they sang that three weeks ago. I'm sure they'd still love to hear it. People love to know when they've, when they've done well at things. You know, I emphasize that with our teen night whenever we have our teens up here, because I, I know it's so important to our teens for them to hear Hey, man, that was a great special that you sang. Hey, that was a great message that you preached. Hey, man, I, I was really touched by the, the testimony that you gave. You'll never know how far even the smallest things will go with others. They really will. Now, I will say this. There is a wrong way to encourage people. You don't want to walk up to somebody after a special and go, Hey, man, I was really encouraged by your voice crack up there. Really, really touched my heart spoke to me you know I, I remember when i was in college uh, i don't know if this guy was trying to encourage me or not if he was he wasn't doing a very good job i remember i was hanging out with a group of guys outside of my dorm and uh, we got on the subject of dating which is very often talked about at bible college and uh, i remember sitting there with him and we got again we were talking about a dating and things like that remember that guy he sat there and this guy I, I knew him but we weren't really friends he looked at me and said you know parker Sometimes I feel like I'm going to be single forever. But then, Parker, I look at you, and I think if you can get a girlfriend, 
then I know I will someday too. Excuse me? Yeah, yeah, I just know. If somebody like you can get a girlfriend, then surely I can as well. I still don't like that guy to this day, I swear. I don't know if he thought we were closer friends than we were or what. But if he was trying to encourage me, there is a wrong way to encourage someone. But there's never a wrong time to do it. There's never a wrong time to shoot somebody a text. Hey, I pray for you. Hey, how can I pray for you? There's never a wrong time to write somebody an encouraging note. Never. So we have a need for fellowship. We have a need for encouragement. So we want to be around other Christians. And then when we're around other Christians, we want to be the kind that sharpens others. We want to be the kind that helps grow others. Some of the best friends that I had in college were people that I felt like every time I was around them, man, I was just challenged. I was convicted. That's what I loved about my college is that so many of my professors, man, they've done so many great things for the Lord. And they were always seeking to do more. And it was just so convicting to me. So not only do we have a need for fellowship and a need for encouragement, but most of all, there is a need for unity. There is a need for unity. Look at verse number 12. Verse number 12, the Bible says, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The last verse of this passage lays out the biggest reason that we as Christians need to band together. It lays out the biggest reason why we as Christians need one another. The simple fact is, friend, we are at war. We are at war with the devil and his forces in this world today. And the biggest reason that we need each other is because this is not a battle that any one of us can win one-on-one. Because the devil would love to split up our forces and to, to get us each one-on-one. And that's one of the biggest issues with Christianity today is that we're constantly fighting within each other. And we've got this opinion about the Bible and this opinion about the Bible. And I'm all for sound doctrine, so don't misunderstand me here. But one of the biggest reasons that Christianity has not advanced as it should have today is because Christians are so incredibly divided. And this passage shows that we as Christians, we need each other there's a little something it's known as synergy synergy is is a way of saying that two things together are greater than the sum of their parts two things together are are greater than the sum of their parts i know the illustration that is often used with this is if you a if you put an ox uh on a on a yoke with the old plows and things like that they'd say that that ox could only you know could carry so much burden But if you put that ox with another ox, and they both carried it together, I I don't remember what the exact ratio was, but I believe it couldn't carry twice as much, but it could carry either four or eight times as much. Because when we band together, our influence, our reach becomes so great. There are people in this world that I, no matter how hard I try, will never be able to reach. There are people in this world that only you can reach. You connect with them in a different way. You have a relationship that no matter how hard somebody like me or Pastor Brian tries, we may never have. And so if we're going to reach our world today, we need everyone to do their part. And we all need to be willing to come together. The Bible says right here, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. But you see, here's the thing. In order for that cord to be strong, those, those three, those strands... 
They need to be going in the same direction. They need to be tight knit together. Because if one is going this way and one is going this way and one is going this way, then my friend, that's not a threefold cord. That's three, that's three strands going in three different directions. If we are going to be strong and we're going to stand against the devil and his forces here on earth, we need to be together. I remember having a basketball coach who described it this way. He was talking about how we need to be close and tight-knit as a team. He said, guys, we're like a fist. And you see, what we're going to do is we're going to go to war in these games. We're going to try and beat the other team. He goes, but here's the thing. If we're a fist, if, you try, if you've got one guy who's out here and you throw a punch like this, he goes, you're going to break your thumb. So that's why if we're going to be tight-knit and we're going to be together and we're going to be successful, we need all everybody all in right here, tightly knit, bought in to what is going forward. That's what we need. Now, there's no question that we as individuals need to be strong spiritually. There are certain things that, you know, and our Christian brothers and sisters can't do for us. We need to be strong spiritually. We need to have a, our own personal walk with Christ. There's no question about that. But once all of us are strong spiritually, when we bond together, there is no telling the impact that we could have on this world. You know, the Bible says here a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So if a threefold cord representing three people, if three people coming together and working towards the same goal, working towards the same purpose, is strong, imagine what it would be like if a whole church came together and decided, hey, we're going to go forward. We're going to be united. You know what? Not everybody in this room may agree on every single little thing. That's okay. We all have different preferences. We all have different things that we like and dislike. And we may not agree on every single little thing. But we ought to be agreed on one thing, and that's for sure. That we want to reach our world for Christ. That you know what? I want to do everything that I can to further God's kingdom and glorify Him. But the important things as Christians is that we, we just have to band together. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and pow against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What we need to do is we need to learn to separate the problem from the person. In other words, if we've got an issue with somebody, we need to learn to be able to take that issue and separate it from the person. That person, they may have made a mistake, but it wasn't because they're a dirty, rotten, no good, filthy, you know, whatever. Because when we begin to think that way, when we begin to think, you know, well, they did this, therefore they are this, we begin to, begin, we begin to become bitter, resentful. We begin to do all of these things, and all it ends with is anger. But when we begin to only, only focus on the problem, okay, here was the issue, here's what happened, then suddenly our mind begins to think towards a resolution. Suddenly it's not about, well, so-and-so did this, and I bet they did it on purpose. You know what, I bet they, they, had, they knew exactly what they were doing when they did that. No, you know what, when we begin to focus on, you know what, here's the problem, that's, all, that's what matters, let's take care of the problem. When we begin to focus, separate the problem from the person, Things tend to flow a lot smoother. See, we as Christians, we have to be willing 
to put aside our differences to fight for what is right. Now, let me give this illustration. If you study ancient history, you'll come across a, a, an ancient battle tactic. This ancient battle tactic was known as the phalanx. Phalanx, I believe we have a picture of it right, right there. Yeah. The phalanx was an ancient battle tactic utilized by many ancient civilizations, used by, uh, I know, one Alexander the Great, who was uh, very much revered as one of the greatest generals of his time. And here's essentially what the phalanx was. You can see a picture of it right there. Is that the soldiers would all band together, they'd become very close, and they would stick their shields so that all of their shields were side by side, creating as few gaps as possible. And then what they would do is they would stick their spears through those small gaps. And what, this, what this, these shields together would do is they would create an impenetrable barrier for their opponent. So these men were able to march forward with their spears here and their shield up, being able to still attack using their spears, but with their shields creating a barrier that was very difficult to be penetrated. But here's the thing about this particular formation. While it's incredibly effective, it has to come with complete and total unity. It has to. Because here's the thing. If even one of those men drop out of formation, it quickly creates a hole. And an enemy could get in there, exploit that hole, and the entire formation would fall apart. Now when we look at that phalanx, that, that battle position, this is exactly what we as a church have an opportunity to do. To come together, side by side with one another. Helping each other, holding each other up, lifting each other up. Not worrying about, not worrying about I wonder what his stance is on this. Oh, I, I wonder what, what he does in his private time. But simply coming together, saying this is our purpose, this is our fight, we're going to go forward, we're going to win our world for Christ, and we're not going to let anybody stop us. You know, consider the verse um, when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What that verse is saying is not that we will withstand the attacks of the gates of hell, though that is true if we follow Christ. But gates don't move, friends. So when the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, that means when we go on the attack with God, at our, with God on our side, the gates of hell cannot withstand our attacks when God is on our side. As Paul wrote, if God be for us, who can be against us? You know, you, you study history and you find that many great battles were won using this very formation. Like I said, Alexander the Great was an incredible general in his time. And one of the things that you'll, you notice as you study some of his battles is that he often won battles where he was outmanned. He often won battles where the, the forces that he faced were much greater than the forces that he possessed. And yet it was tactics just like this. Getting his soldiers on the same page, getting his soldiers unified and ready to go to war, not just for themselves, but for each other. Fighting for one another. That was how Alexander the Great and many other generals would win such great battles with this formation. And now, here we stand as a church. With, as the book of Ephesians said, with the forces of darkness running amok in our world, threatening what we know to be the truth. 
threatening all that we know is right. Mom, dad, Satan wants your kids. He wants them. 1 Peter 5.8 says it quite clearly. The devil is, a, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Mom and dad, he wants you as well. Grandma, grandpa, you don't think he'd love to ruin your testimony in front of, and have the shock waves ripple through your family as your grandchildren see their godly grandmother, their godly grandfather fall? Oh, he'd love to have you. He would. And here's the thing, part of the reason our, our society is in such shambles today is because the devil has not only won the battle in one family, but he's allowed it, he's enabled it to be able to have a domino effect. Because when one family gets out of church, then their kids don't grow up in church. And then they don't know God. And then those children have kids, and suddenly that, that one family that decided that, you know what, church wasn't that important, their grandchildren grow up with no concept of church, no concept of God, and it's just a domino reaction as time goes on. But you know, we can start dominoes in the other direction as well. Make up our decision that, you know what, I'm going to be on board. You know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on board, I'm here, I'm ready to go. And you know what? Let's do this. We're going to be in church. We're, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to spend time in prayer as a family. We're going to do it. You know what? I'm putting my foot down. And before you know it, your kids, they begin to grow spiritually. Then they marry a godly spouse. And then they raise godly children. And then those godly children, they have children of their own. And then they have, they have grandchildren. You know, one of the biggest reasons that I'm I'm here today is because of my godly grandfather, who's a church planner throughout, throughout the United States, who influenced my dad, who even, when, even though he spent some time away from the Lord, he always had that, that voice in the back of his head, that knowing the truth, and eventually came back to the Lord, and, and because of my dad's godly testimony, I grew up in church, and I knew the truth. Because of my mom's godly testimony, I grew up in church, and I grew up in truth, and now I've married a, a beautiful, godly woman who we, we intend to raise our children the same way, and I can't wait to see the domino reaction that will happen as a result of people like my grandfather's testimonies. And mom, dad, this could be you. Mom, dad, wouldn't you love one day to be up in heaven and look down and see your great-grandson thundering God's word from a pulpit? Wouldn't you love to see your, your great-granddaughter perhaps teaching a Sunday school class, teaching her children about God's word? And you know one of the best ways we can show them how great and how incredible our God is? It's to be together. It's not to go home and sit there and say, can you believe what so-and-so did? Oh, man, I can't believe that. I can't believe somebody would wear something like that to church. I can't believe they would do that or do this. But it's to, come, it's to come home to your kids and say, man, aren't you excited to go to church? Wasn't that great this morning? Wasn't that Sunday school lesson awesome? Wasn't your junior church lesson great? I'm not saying anybody in here is perfect. Not at all. I'm not perfect, far from it. One of the things we can be is unified. But the one last thing that we need to consider with unity 
is that there's really only one person that can unify all of us. Like I've said before, we all have our differences of opinion. There are certain questions I could ask in this room right now that if I asked all of you, I might get 10, 11 different responses. So there's only one person that can really unify all of us coming from our different backgrounds and different upbringings. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing, some of us have different definitions of different things. So the one person that can unify all of us, that lives within all of us, I hope here tonight, is the Holy Spirit. When all of us begin to simply take a moment and say, God, I want to be surrendered to what you want for my life. God, I want to be surrendered to what you would lead me to do. God, I want to be surrendered to how you would have me to live my life. And when all of us get on the same page in that manner, amazing things will happen. I guarantee you. Incredible things will happen when we all sit there and we say, listen, you know what? I know it may not be exactly how I like it. It may not be exactly what I thought. But God, I'm surrendered. Because here's the thing, we're all different in here. But God has, has put us all in here in this church together because he has a purpose for you in this church. Think about it like this. Think about, you know, I know when I was a teenager, I used to think, you know, I want to marry somebody that's, that's, that's a, lot, a lot like me. I want to marry somebody who loves sports like I do. And I want to marry somebody who gets me in this way and things like that. Man, am I glad I didn't get my wish. Because I don't know if I could stand two of me in my house. I am an idiot, okay? And my wife, she's, she's very different from me. And yes, my wife and I, we have things in common, of course. But my wife, more than anything, she is complementary to me. Yes, we're two different people when we're put together. God has been able to, you know, allow us to be a part of such incredible things. It's the same thing here in this church. There's all sorts of different people with different talents and gifts and abilities. With, with all sorts of different things in this church. And God has put you in this church to serve a specific role. And, and you know, Callie, your role is going to be different from Michaela's role. And, and Harmony, your role is going to be different from Ken's role. And, and Joyce, your role is going to be different from Colin's role. And that's okay. And that's the great part about God's church is that there's all these needs that we've listed here, the need for fellowship, the need for encouragement, the need for unity, needs that, that we as people have, that God has designed his church to fulfill. God has designed his church to help fulfill so many of these needs that we need as Christians and even as people. The only question that remains Will you get on board? Will you get into the formation? Will you hold your stance? Will you get next to your Christian brothers and sisters and say, all right, let's do this. As we head into this new year, this, uh, this Wednesday, of course, being the last service before the big, the big 2022 hits. As we get ready in January and February to go through Stewardship Month and, and Pastor sharing his vision for the new year, are you going to be the person who's going to be the nitpick? Who's going to sit there and nitpick? Who's going to sit there and say, well, I think we should do it this way. Well, let me tell you, if I was in charge, you need the person who's going to sit there and be 
I guess what we could call the, the armchair quarterback, if you will. Then you need a person that says, you know what, Pastor? I believe that God has called me to be a part of this church. I believe that God has called you to lead this church. And so you know what? I'm on board. I'm on board. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. And so tonight, I, I don't normally want to do something like this. I don't normally want to. But what, what, what I would like to do is I think it would be great if, you're, if you are physically able for us as a church to come down to an altar like this and just take a minute and say, God, I'm on board. I don't know how God has spoken to you in this message. And again, if you're not physically able to, I'm not asking you to, okay? So let me just make that clear. But I think a great way for us to bring in this new year would be for us to make a statement as a church, not as individuals, but as a church, as one body, to come down here to this altar and just say, you know what, God? I'm in. You know what, God? I'm in. So you would stand with me as, as Edie, you go to the piano here, here tonight. Again, if you're, if you're physically able, I would encourage you to come down here to this altar tonight and just say, you know what, God? I'm all in. As the piano begins to play, would you come?
All right, all right. You can go ahead and be seated here tonight. And uh, as we get ready to move into our prayer time, uh, if there's anybody who needs a prayer bulletin, please just slip your hand up. Uh, I've got some of those there in the back. Uh, if you need a prayer bulletin, please just slip, go ahead and slip your hand up. We'll try to get one of our gentlemen back there to uh, get it for you here tonight. And uh, we've got a couple over here. 